Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Amen. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday, so I feel like there's only one appropriate text to read. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And somebody said, Amen. Thank you, Brother Ellis, for your kindness. He's always been kind to me and my family. And just to be invited here is, is a, a treat and humbled to be here, to know Brother Ellis and their family. Amen. Excited for what I feel here today. It, I always like going back to churches that I've been to before. And it's, sometimes it's not a, a good experience because they've declined, you know, and it's, it's it, I, not disparaging anybody. Maybe they're just going through a tough season. But I really love it when I come back to a church and say, man, it looks good and it feels better than last time. There's something growing in the atmosphere. There's something stirring in the atmosphere. God is getting ready to do something great in this hour. And somebody said, Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house uh, where they were sitting. I, I, I just feel like somebody needs to shout Amen right there. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Amen. I want to read one more verse of scripture. I got like 85 more verses, but you're standing and, and you're waiting to hear me say your favorite words. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. Everybody shout name. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you know that name, would you just shout it one time? Jesus. I don't come to you with a great sermon. I come to you with just a powerful revelation today. And my sermon subject is in the name of Jesus. I really wanted to preach an impressing sermon. And I feel like God gave something to me that's never been preached before, which I know is foolish to think that. But when you're a preacher and you see something you've never seen before, you just automatically assume no one's ever seen it before. And I had one of those little nuggets, and the Lord just sort of convicted me this morning and said, you can either preach your sermon or you can preach mine. So I, I relented, and I said, God, I'll preach your sermon, and his sermon is in the name of Jesus. I don't know who needs a touch today. I don't know who came to church today that said, I don't want just normal church. I don't want just another Sunday sermon. I want a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and fire. I got news for you. It's going to happen today by the power of the name name of Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands? Why don't you shout with all of your might in the name of Jesus? 
Before you're seated, I want you to turn to somebody and say, you will never be the same today. You will never be the same today. For the power of the name is in the house. The power of the name of Jesus is here. Uh, you, you, you may be seated. I didn't say you can. Some of you may not be able to, so I didn't want you to tell you you have the ability but you may, that was the favorite words you were looking to hear. You may be seated. You ever notice? Pastor Ellis notice. He notices. It's the only time a preacher can get 100% participation. You may be seated. Change seated to fasting. You may be fasting. You get about 1%, you know. Change seated to anything else. And there's going to be a variable of participation. But you say, you may be seated. And even the atheists say, amen. <laughs> I want to talk to you for just a moment about the place, the purpose, and the power of Pentecost. It is interesting to me that Jesus chose this place, the upper room of Jerusalem, filled with sinners and betrayers and people that deserted him. It's very interesting to me to notice the place that he poured out his spirit unto salvation for the very first time. Because if you backtrack about 53 days, you find them in a place where Jesus told them, one of you will betray me. But he didn't just tell them, one of you will betray me. He then went on and said, all of you will desert me. And do you know where this place was? If you study it and read it, you find that it was in the same upper room in Jerusalem. He told them, let's go to Jerusalem and you'll find a man there who will let us in an upper room and we're going to abide there and have a supper together, the last supper. And there in that upper room in Jerusalem, he said, one of you will betray me but all of you will desert me. <laughs> it wasn't but a few hours later that this prophecy came to fruition. He was betrayed just hours later into the hands of the Roman soldiers to be crucified, executed. And that's why we celebrated 50 days ago the celebration of Resurrection Sunday that we call Easter. He's resurrected from the grave. That's why we can't have dead church, because our God is not dead. The words dead church is an oxymoron, because you can't have dead church if you serve a God that's alive. In his state of resurrection, these disciples continued to live in the upper room where Jesus had had the Last Supper with them. They continue, and I know you don't believe me, but I promise you if you read your Bible closely enough, you'll see that this upper room, it says they abode there, which means they were making their living, or they were living there. This was their place of residence in this upper room in Jerusalem. And just before Jesus ascends into heaven, he calls out these disciples 
now only 11 because one of them has taken his own life. The greatest tragedy of suicide, taking one's own life. What, what a tragic situation that is for anybody that has suffered a family member, a loved one to have taken their own life. I, I, I sympathize with you today. And imagine, imagine the minds of these disciples knowing that one of their brothers in Christ who they lived with for three years has now taken his own life due to the guilt of committing the same sin they had all committed. They all betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus first, but they all deserted him in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was on the Mount of Olives, and so it's no coincidence that in Jesus' last discourse with his disciples, he said, meet me there on the Mount of Olives where you all deserted me. And he gives them the great commission. You deserted me here, but now I call you to go deliver the world. Oh, come on, somebody. You, 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 you back slid here. You, you betrayed me here, but I still have a purpose for you. He told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. and He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They, ah, they shall take up serpents or drink in a deadly thing, and it shall not harm them. If you believe in my name, although you deserted me, if you still believe in my name, you can lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God's got a word in this place for somebody. You might have deserted him. You might have backslid from him. You might have failed him. But Jesus says, if you still believe, if you still believe, if you still believe, I've got a calling for you. But he says, before you go to the world... He says, you need to know, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, unto the uttermost part of the world. So go back to Jerusalem. Get in that upper room. The place I reveal to you, the bitterness and unbelief and betrayal in your heart. Go back to that upper room. And if you read it in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that they were gathered there in that upper room in Jerusalem. And they, they, they began to pray and they began to gather together. And the Bible lists us the names. But of course, it leaves out the name of Judas because now he was gone. He had been dead now for some time. And the Bible says in Acts 1 from the NLT that they all met together. These, these disciples, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, but not Judas Iscariot. So they all met together and were constantly, constantly united in prayer. 
along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women and the brothers of Jesus. Verse 15, during this time, when about 120 believers were gathered together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. This is amazing to me because here they are in the room where Jesus told them, you will desert me. They had been living there. If you read it, it says they had made their abode there. They had been living there for some time, which means night and day, day and night. They were tormented by the echoes of their past, thinking of the images of the last time they shared a room and a table with Judas. And now he's gone. So they come together and they're praying through the minutiae, through the minutiae of their, their depression and their grief and their confusion and their darkness. They're praying and they're praying. Now it was only 11. But then the mother of Jesus came. And the, brother of Je- the brothers of Jesus then joined them in the upper room. And now they had about 13, 14, 15, 16 people. They said, come on. Let's constantly be united in prayer. Come on, let's keep on praying. Let's keep on praying because something's about to happen. Let's just keep on praying. And now the next verse, all of a sudden, we don't always have the story in between the lines. I almost wish Acts had been in the Old Testament because then we'd probably have a lot more details. But but we can at least infer that it started with 11 and then Mary and then the brothers of Jesus showed up. But they constantly were united in prayer through, through their problems through their betrayal, through them deserting Jesus. They kept saying, hey, I know we're all failures. We're all deserters of Jesus, but let's stay united in prayer. Let's stay, I feel the Holy Ghost on me. Let's stay united in prayer. We've all backslidden. We've all failed. We've all fallen short of the glory. Let's stay united in prayer. And all of a sudden, people started coming in. People started going up the stairs. Man, there's something drawing me to this room. And before you knew it, there was 120 people in that room. And do you know the first sermon Peter spoke? See, I always thought it was this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That's not the first sermon Peter preached. That was the second sermon he preached. That was the first one he preached as a spirit-filled Pentecostal. But he preached a sermon before This is that. They had been praying and praying and fasting, united constantly in prayer. Do you know the first thing he preached when he stood up and said, I got a word for somebody? He preached not Jesus. He preached Judas. The first words he spoke were, Judas is gone. It had been on their minds. They could hear the awkward silence of grief and torment, knowing that they had all committed sin, but yet they allowed their brother to slip through their fingers into a lake of fire. And so they were tormented and they were burdened on their minds about the loss of their brother. So Peter stands up and says in verse 16 of Acts 1, Brothers, The scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Ghost, speaking through King 
David. What was Peter's first sermon in that place where Pentecost would fall a few days later? His sermon was, we must trust the purpose, the purpose of the scriptures, of the word, of the name. We've got to trust the purpose. Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 25 and 26, look at this. Paul says, and God said in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. So far, he says, I will look to the people who are not my people and say, you are my people, and look to the people that did not have love and say, now you have love, and it shall come to pass that in that place, in that place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. In everyone's mind, I'm preaching to you right now, there is a place that you think disqualifies you for the power of his name. You could close your eyes and instantly see the divorce, the depression, the defeat, the darkness, the deception, the distraction. Instantly see that place, addiction, failure. Ah, instantly your mind can take you to that place where your actions shouted, you are not God's son. You are not God's child. But Romans 9, Paul says, in that place where you heard the voice crying out to you saying, you are not God's people. God will speak to you in that place there and say, you are my people. What the devil meant for evil, God said, put it in my hands. I'll make it good. Ah, your failure became my triumph. Your weakness became my strength in that place. Somebody shout it with me. There, in that place, God says... You are my people. Not when you got it together. Not when you got the right clothes on. Not when you were anointed with oil. Not when you prayed through in the altar. In that place. In that. Not in the choir loft. Not in the prayer room. In hell. In the valley. In darkness. God said, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're my people. I got a calling. I got a purpose. I got a plan. In that. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. He showed his love to us that while we were sinners, he died for me. 
I feel a victory in the house. Somebody just overstepped the obstacle of condemnation and said, devil, you ain't going to have me one more day because where you had me, God said he's mine, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine. He doesn't belong to you. Uh. The Lord says, tell my people that before they experience the power of my name, they must understand two things. The place of which I called them. And they must trust the purpose of my name. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, notice how he keeps saying, he, 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 I'm not in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't trust the purpose of his name if you think you're in charge. Sorry, that was for Wednesday night. I thought I messed up. That was Wednesday night Bible study. Take that out of the thing, okay? Sorry, just forget I said that. That was too harsh for Sunday. But he's recognizing who's responsible of his path. He leads me on paths of righteousness. Here it is. For his names for the purpose of his name he's my shepherd watch this now for the purpose of his name he makes me to lie down in green pastures for the purpose of his name he leads me beside still waters for the purpose of his name i'm on paths of righteousness Uh oh yea, though i walk see he said i don't have to run through the valley because i ain't afraid I can walk through death and not run from it because it's not about my name. Though I walk through the valley. I feel a prophetic anointing right now. I feel the Lord wants me to stop and tell somebody, stop trying to run when I'm asking you to walk. You wonder, why can't I run? Because I'm trying to teach you to walk. Paul said in Galatians 5, you ran well, but what hindered you? Five verses later, he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I feel the Lord has stopped me with a prophetic word for somebody to say, God's not impressed with our weekly shout. He is impressed. He is pleased by our daily walk with him. Somebody shout, walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I don't have to fear no evil because you're with me. How do I know you're with me? I couldn't feel you in the valley. I couldn't feel goosebumps in the shadow. I didn't hear the choir singing in the valley. I know you're with me because I'm walking for your namesake. This is for the purpose, the purpose, the purpose of your name. Next verse, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm still in the valley. And then you, you pour salt on my wounds. I'm already in the shadow of death. And he say, hey, let me make you a supper here with your enemies. He's not out of the valley yet, but he keeps going and says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over there in that place. My anointing doesn't come when I'm on the mountain. My anointing comes when I'm in the valley, surrounded by critics, surrounded by enemies and adversaries. In that place, there is a purpose for the name. In the same chapter of Romans, chapter 9, look at what Paul says. Same chapter, 9.17, he says, For the scripture, for the word says to Pharaoh, How many of you really knew God walked into Pharaoh's palace and said, I'm done using Moses and Aaron for a day. I'm going to give them a break. I'm going to talk to you myself. He speaks to Pharaoh and he says, hey, Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I, God, raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my that my name, there's an English and Spanish, okay, you got it? That my nombre, <laughs> that my name may be declared. See, what you may not remember is God sent Moses to speak to Pharaoh in his name, Yahweh. He said that. He goes to Pharaoh and says, Yahweh said, let my people go. And Pharaoh Proverbially, he spit in the face of Moses and says, I don't think so. He comes back to the nation of Israel and they said, all right, we're ready. We packed up. Let's go. And Moses said, uh, he said no. What? Yeah, he said no. But we, we already packed. We put the car seats in the chariots. That took two hours. We ain't going to take those car seats back out. We're ready to go. You said, you said God told you that he was going to let us go. He did, but he didn't give me the details. So in Exodus 5, he runs to God, sucking his thumb and says, God, what is your problem? He says it. Go read it. He said, I went to Pharaoh and spoke in your name. Your name, and it didn't work. How many of you have prayed and the name didn't work? I got one all right. That's okay. That silence was your loudest. Amen. Yeah, I got you. How many of you prayed for her? She wasn't healed. How many of you prayed for your husband and he didn't come back yet? And you said, God, you told me in your name. 
work. Here's the key word, yet. He said, God, I spoke in your name, and Pharaoh said no. Watch what he says. And you didn't show up and do your part. Let's see how honest we are. How many of you have said that to God recently? You didn't show up and do your part. Last time I was here, we had just buried our little girl in Portland, Oregon, where I had had held her lifeless body for six hours. Not fear at all, no fear at all, because I've seen people healed. I've seen people come out of wheelchairs. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen the miraculous. So I said, man, this is going to be an awesome miracle. I'm going to get to tell everybody about this. My daughter died, and I said, Jesus, and she said, Daddy. I said, Jesus, and she said, Mommy. I said, Jesus, and she came back to life. Six hours later, my wife puts her arm around me with tears streaming down her face and says, we must let her go now. We must lay her down now. But before we walk out of this room, we will give praise and honor to God for it is God who giveth and God who taketh away. We won't give the devil one inch. We won't give the devil one second. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you that after that episode, I went to the house of God and said, Yea, verily, blessed be the name of the Lord. No, I didn't pray for about two to three weeks. I tried to backslide. I tried to walk away. But God's grace said, Nope, I'm not letting you out. You're not going to backslide right now. Moses comes to God and says, Where was the power of your name? And God says, You need to trust the purpose of my name. Exodus 6 and 2. God says, I'm the Lord. You're not Lord. Exodus 6, 3. God says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses? Yeah, God, I remember them. Remember how awesome they were? Patriarch fathers? Yeah, we talk about them every day. They never had my name, Moses. It's in Exodus 6, 3. I never gave them my name. But I gave my name to you. Now, doesn't that seem like contradictory to the question? Why didn't you perform? I gave you my name. Why didn't you heal? I gave you my name. You have my name. Why didn't you deliver? You have my name. People are walking away from me, God. People are saying I'm a false prophet. People are saying I don't know you. But you still have my name. Is my name not enough for you? Or do you also need the affirmation of your brothers? Is my name not enough for you? Or do you also need me to perform according to your plans? I got a word for somebody. We got to get to a place that's higher than the faith in his power. We got to arrive to the place of trust in his purpose. I'm preaching to somebody. You got to trust the purpose of his name. Amen.
I wasn't, I wasn't meaning to, to tell that about my daughter. I haven't talked about it in a long time, but it's just kind of came back up in me because last time I was here, it, it had just happened. And, and I remember after I left this church, uh, we had a crusade two weeks later and, and we had 50 plus people filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and we had a man that we have on video. I posted it on Facebook and we had a 60 something or about 70 year old man who was crippled from the waist down, completely healed instantaneously. He, he was in a wheelchair. The young people, the teenagers, they went over to him in that crusade and said, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And they didn't just walk away and said, hope he gets healed. No. They pulled him out. They Come on. They, they, they pulled him out. Help me out here. They pulled it, this crippled old man out of the wheelchair and he's stumbling. They walked him like this and he's just stumbling. His wife comes over and hands him a cane. He's got a cane and they're, they're just walking like this. Walking like, come on. And then they turn around and they say, come on, just a few more steps. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he catches his own weight. And he stands there and he pulls his arms out from the men. And he's standing there on his own like this. He's got that cane in his hand still. He lifts it up. Now, don't do this, anybody that gets healed today. He throws his cane into the audience. Thought, dear God, someone else is going to get paralyzed. He threw his cane into the audience. An angel must have caught it because it landed on the grass. It didn't hit anybody. <laughs> his wife, got, this is all in the video on Facebook. His wife brings over the cane and she's waving like this and he's starting to lift up his legs like this. Come on, do it. You're the crippled old man, not crippled no more. And he starts looking. He said, man, I got new legs. He starts jumping up like this. He starts walking around like this. And you're, you're ready, crippled old man? You ain't crippled. Next thing you know, it's on the video. He says, well, let's give this a try. And he takes off running. This man starts running. Run, come, oh, hey, we got to find an aisle to run. He takes off running because God had just healed his legs. Thank you. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power. But the door to his power is to trust in his purpose. Because many of us don't arrive in the room where the power is because we don't understand the door of purpose. We say, it doesn't make sense. I can't do it. I can't go there. A couple weeks after that crusade, I go and preach North Carolina. Their first youth event in almost a year and a half. And it was a year and a half because of the shutdown, the COVID shutdown. It was a district-wide back-to-school rally. And it was dead. And I said, okay, there's probably five, 600 kids there. I said, all right, they're going back to school next week. I'm not going to give up until they break through. <laughs> I don't care. They, they're going to go to eight hours of school. They can listen to an hour and a half of preaching until we break through this mess. I preached, I preached, I preached, I preached. Finally, a trickle here, a trickle there. People started coming up to the altar. 
I go, I go over to this young lady, and she was a young adult. She was, I think she was 23 at that time, and I walk over to her. I was just drawn, burdened for her. I walk over to her. I said, I'm going to pray for you. What, what is it you need? She said, the doctors have given me six weeks to live. I have a tumor, a brain tumor right here. She said, they can't do anything about it. She said, there's nothing they can do, and I have six weeks to live. She said, will you pray for me? I said, no, I'm not going to pray for you. I said, I had never done this, but it just sort of came to me. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to preach. Oh, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to preach to that tumor. <laughs> I preached to a lot of dead Pentecostals. I thought I could preach to one tumor. She said, why are you going to preach? I said, because Paul said, it pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Do you believe? She said, I believe. I said, then lift up your hands. I preached one of my best sermons I ever preached. I said, in the name of Jesus. Tumor, listen to me. The name of Jesus is better than you, is stronger than you, more powerful than you. So by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I command this tumor to get out right now. Now, you think, wow, you have a lot of faith. This is how much faith I really had on the inside. This girl opens her eyes and goes, it's gone. I said, what's gone? <laughs> so don't you listen to the lie that says, well, you just have more faith than me. Apparently not enough. She said, it's gone. I said, what's gone? She said, the tumor. This is how much faith I didn't have. I said, how do you know? Yeah, big faith healer evangelist up on the platform. It's got what's gone. How do you know it's healed? She said, because when you started preaching to it, I could feel it dissolve. She said, for months, I've had this weight and pressure in my skull. She said, the moment you began to say in the name of Jesus, it dissipated. It's not there anymore. It's you go ahead and sit there, but I feel like worshiping because there is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. When that girl, I'll tell you by the way, the Tuesday morning, so it was like three days later, that girl Facebook messages my wife. Sends her the CAT scans, the before and the after. She said, I went to my oncologist on Monday. They did a before and after scan, and the tumor is completely gone. But here's what else happened. I feel this was purposeful. I feel this was the purpose of the name today, that God had me bring up what we, had, what we lost in 2020, burying our daughter. In. Because in that same service, I had a mom come running up to me, 
And what I didn't share, let me digress. At some point during the altar call, God said, go up to the pulpit and tell them about losing your daughter and burying your child and, and all these things. I thought, okay. And I went up and I told it real quick. And I said, but God's faithful. God's faithful. Come on. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, and they go into another wave of praying. And it had been about an hour, hour and 15 minutes into that altar call when the mom comes running up to me. She says, Brother Green, come here, come here. I come down and she says, you're grieving, aren't you? I said, oh, yeah. She said, let me teach you about grief. And she, it was like she had memorized the 12 steps to grief or something. Just da, 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 da. I said, how do you know so much about grief? She said, 15 years ago, I lost my two-year-old when my mom ran over my son, my two-year-old, backing out of the driveway 15 years ago. She said, my, my seven-year-old at the time, he was standing there and he watched it happen. And he saw his two-year-old brother die. He's never been the same since that day. You know, he's now like, what? he's now 22 or whatever. She said, he's been backslidden for years. My marriage has been separated. My husband couldn't stand the grief. She said, my, my son, he's the one who's alive, but he's backslidden. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't let my son stay backslidden after losing my child at two years old. And she, I, she said, well, he's here tonight. She said, he hasn't come to church in about five years. She said, but we convinced him to come to this youth service. I said, really, where is he? She said, he's on the back row. She said, will you come back there and pray with him and encourage him? I said, of course. She told me, she said, that's why God had you go up to the pulpit and share that story of your loss. She said, come and pray with my son. So we start walking back. She's, we're kind of stepping over all these kids, five or 600 kids. There. We're going to the back. We get to the back row. He's not there. I said, where is he? She's looking for him, asking the ushers, where is he? I, I don't know. Have you seen my son? Where's, where's my son? We don't see him. Then all of a sudden, someone points down to the floor, and we look, and he's crawled up under the pew, speaking in tongues, trembling in the Holy Ghost. God refilled him with the Holy Ghost. He prayed back through. God said, I'm not going to let you stay lost. There was a purpose in this. There was a purpose in this. There was a purpose. And if you trust my purpose, I'll reveal my power. Who is it? Who is it today that the power of the name is looking for? Who is it in this service that the power of the name is reaching for? Is it you? Is it you? It might as well be you. You might as well lift up your hands and say, God, it's me. It's me, Lord. I need the power. Come on, lift up your hands. Why don't you stand to your feet and search for the power of the name of Jesus? Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, don't just look at me. I have no power other than what God's given me. Lift up your voice. Lift up your eyes. Look up. Lift up your head. For your redemption is drawing nigh.
Come on, who is it right now? Who is it right now? Who is it right now? Who is it that God's looking for right now? Who is it that the name said, I've got a plan for you. I've got a healing for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got a touch for you. Who is it? 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 There ought to be a blind Bartimaeus say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. There ought to be a lady with an issue of blood say, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. I can get the power of the name. I want every eye closed and hands lifted. Every eye closed, nobody looking around. By the authority of the word of God and by the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I take dominion over every spirit of pride and every spirit of hesitation that would stop somebody from running to this altar as fast as they can. And I cast it out of our hearts and minds out of this service in the name I set you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, believe it. In that place, in that place where God noticed you betrayed him, you failed him. He also said you shall receive power after my spirit has come upon you. Get the power. Get the power in that place. In that place. Get the power. Who 
who's got the courage, who's got the faith to close your eyes and let your mind take you back to that place where you were disqualified, where you were inferior, where you were insufficient. And hear thus saith the Lord, you are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my chosen vessel. I said, I speak hope. I speak faith. I speak victory. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, in the place of darkness, the Lord shall be my light. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. If anyone be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. I said, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. For the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth bodily in him, and you are complete in him. It's complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to just give instruction very quickly. I want to give an altar call instruction for a moment, but I feel the prophetic word of the Lord convicting me to speak a word into this church for just a second. Pastor Ellis, throughout the remainder of this year, there will be a separation of wheat and chaff. There will be a separation from those who are consecrated those who are willing to give God their bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. There will be a separation from those who are all in and from those that have not made up their mind to get united and get involved. But the Lord says at just the right time, that door of separation will close and then I will open a door where I will begin to blow my spirit 
and the fire of my anointing will begin to fall unlike this church has ever seen before. No one will even be able to say, this is like we used to experience. No one will be able to say, this is revival like the days of old. But everyone will say, this is unprecedented. This is something we have never seen before. We are going forward. I want you to take about 30 seconds and lift up your hands to receive the word of God and make up your mind, God, I will not be the chaff. I will be the wheat. I will consecrate. I will go all out. I will sacrifice. I want the fire. I want the harvest. I want the revival. I want the wind to blow in my family, in my home. I want to ask our worship team if they would come help me and get ready. We're going to have some music here. Amen. Shakata ye rokoto toto robo soto tote yende rebokoto toto toto ye rekete tete ya da 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 ye re de 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 ye rekete tete tete ya oh lo 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 koto raba ye te ya shata ta 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 ha ta 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 raba ka ta 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 I feel the wind of prophetic anointing just moving right now. Let's just take another 30 seconds and just reach out and grab it. Reach out and grab it. Uh, Y'all sing, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Pastor Ellis, over the next several months, there will be prophetic confirmations that come into this congregation. There will be prophetic utterances of confirmation that comes into your ministry and into the body of believers at this church. I'm telling you, I can feel it in my spirit. I would never compare myself to Elijah, but I can feel it. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of lost souls speaking in tongues. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. 
Until next time, thanks for listening.